I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. You've just tuned in to Rebel Wellness, the podcast that's here to revolutionize your approach to personal health and well-being. I'm your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales, and I'm thrilled to have you join our Rebel community. In a world that's saturated with fleeting diet trends and unrealistic beauty standards, we believe it's time for serious change. Our mission is simple yet profound, to empower women like you to break free from the confines of today's diet culture and embrace a holistic approach to health that's sustainable for the long haul. If you're like me, you're here to embrace the concept that true well-being encompasses every facet of your life, mind, body, and soul. Rebels believe in aligning our journey with our individual needs and values because a one-size-fits-all approach just simply doesn't cut it anymore. This podcast is your safe space to explore the depths of wellness guided by myself, experts, real life stories, and genuine commitment to your growth. You're here to begin your transformative journey, and it's time to discover your own version of balance in your health. Every week when you tune into Rebel Wellness, we'll learn, grow, and rebel against the polarizing outdated norms to finally achieve lasting vitality and joy. Because that sounds pretty great, right? Your journey starts now, and I am so excited that you're here. Welcome back, Rebel. I am so excited for today's topic, and I hope that you really take today's chat to heart because it could be the one thing that truly changes a lot of 2024 for you as far as your well being and honestly, it bleeds into everything else. Today, we're going to explore a topic that touches every aspect of our lives, and it is often overlooked, especially by many of my clients in the past. So I felt like this was a very important topic to bring up for you today so that you don't make those same mistakes, because honestly, we're all making them. There's a lot of bad um, influences (laughs) in our day-to-day these days, and it keeps increasing, I would probably say. I have observed that, but I'm going to share with you today lots of great info that you'll not want to sleep on. (laughs) I also think that you're going to gain from today's chat a lot of good understanding of your own unique relation to today's topic and how you can reap the benefits of optimizing your life to support it. So what is this elusive topic? The title probably gave it away, as always, (laughs) but we're going to be diving into all things sleep today. Before you tune out, it is not going to be boring, ho-hum, sleep this, sleep that, just need to sleep more. It's not going to be just that kind of conversation. Um, It's easily one of the most powerful foundations for your best health and longevity, so that's why we're talking about it today. But to make it much more interesting for you, I have added in a lot of my pro insights on ways I've seen poor sleep impact my clients' ability to make significant progress in any of their health goals, including losing fat and even unintentionally gaining serious amounts of fat. So stay tuned all the way to the end for those tips in that conversation. More so insights, I wouldn't say necessarily tips, because I do have tips in this episode though, but it's really important that you're aware of the impact that sleep actually does have on that because it is really common to underestimate what sleep is for 
in our lives, especially in a work hard, play hard, I'll sleep when I'm dead type of culture we have nowadays. So in today's episode, you can expect us to kind of dive into the science of sleep, uncovering how it intricately weaves into the fabric of our daily lives and why, especially for my ladies listening, sleep isn't just a luxury. It's pretty much a cornerstone of well-being for hands down, even more than drinking a lot of water a day. (laughs) Those are still good, important things. But honestly, if you don't have good quality sleep, like you're going to be missing out on so many things. But we're also going to be kind of talking a little bit about how REM sleep is important. Deep sleep is important. The intricate dance of hormones that regulate our nightly rest is so important. And we're just going to help you better understand and harness the healing power of good quality sleep. So wherever you're tuning in from today, whether you're commuting or you're just waking up and you're having some coffee or tea or whatever, welcome to the show and sit back, relax, enjoy this conversation. And I hope you can kind of make some mental notes or some physical notes of how to improve your own sleep and maybe reflect on what you think you should be doing better, or maybe in ways that you might be underestimating your current routine and how it might be impacting you currently and how you can optimize it for your 2024 goals or just your longevity goals in general, no matter what year it is. But for the quick usual plug, come join my community on Rebel Wellness Podcast on Instagram or my flagship coaching page, at Kaylee Loren. It is no longer at Coach by Kales. I know if you've been listening to my podcast episodes from 2023, I was still using my old original business name when I was dominantly a personal trainer with some nutrition involved. That might be a little bit confusing for you. If you search at Coach by Kales, you're probably going to land on a page that I made to redirect you to at Kaylee Loren. But at the same time, come join our newsletter. It is best found at kayleelauren.com or coachkales.com. Either of those will work to get you there. And I have a really exciting offer that is coming out in February. I am launching my first DIY course called Flexible Food Foundations, and it's going to be your first ticket to nailing down the foundations around food, better understanding food, demystifying all of the things that go with diet culture, AKA what food is good, what food is bad. I talk about all of it and I give you superpowers basically to navigate that entire world better so that you don't fall for diets anymore and that you can just take back your health and wellness and gain a little bit more confidence and joy, honestly, with food. Because my big mission is I like to call myself like a fit foodie. I am true to my soul a foodie. I'm not a put a cheesecake on top of a milkshake type of foodie. I'm a, I really enjoy the beauty of artistry and the combination of flavors and, you know, everything to do with food. We could go down a rabbit hole of that. A lot of people know culinary was my alternate route that I decided to not go into for a profession. I decided to keep that a passion and a hobby. (laughs) But with that, I married my love for health and wellness to that passion and wanted to find a way to make nutrition enjoyable for others who align with that, who really do enjoy food. You don't have to be quite as much of a foodie as that, but you still want to to access family events and have fun having food and manage and master your relationship to food around all of that. 
to keep that really healthy and confident and basically more empowered, you know? So come join the newsletter. There is also a exclusive signup list on coachkales.com where it's right on the top of the main page. You can click on it. And that is the wait list for the Flexible Food Foundations course. And everybody who joins that list is getting an exclusive rate for that course. So definitely make sure that you check in on that. It is going to be a good one, guys. Um, So don't sleep on it (laughs) just with keeping in with today's topic. But without further ado, let's jump into this topic. And I hope that it helps you a lot. All right, girl, let's let's handle the boring topic first. But it is fascinating for those of you who are kind of interested in the science. As you know, your girl likes to get into some of the science because it is really key. It's so key for understanding your body better. Okay, so let's do a little quickie on modern sleep science. All right, so for a straight up basis, definition of sleep and what it is from a scientific standpoint. Sleep is a state of unconsciousness during which your brain is less responsive to outside stimuli. And this is a time where your body is resting and repairing. That's where we kind of get a little bit of R&R literally. (laughs) But it's not just an inactive state. Like you're not just being a potato knocked out, like powered off for up to eight hours, nine hours, 10 hours. Your brain and your body have carefully kind of orchestrated these rhythms that ensure that the process is generally an organized matter as you knock out for the night. This allows for restorative sleep during which your body can detoxify, rebalance, and replenish your hormones repair damaged cells and tissues, aka getting rid of damaged DNA, making sure you don't get cancer. This is like literally why sleep is so important and process all the nutrients and even your emotions from the day, memories, flag them in the proper categories and just straight up rest so your body can really recover. For those of you who are listening that enjoy strength training, sleep is key for repairing those torn muscles that you attacked while working out and making them stronger and repairing them in general for optimal health, as well as getting the right fluids to them and such. Again, all part of recovery. So if you are somebody who's ever overworked out, like overtrained and not rested well enough, and you wake up feeling like a train hit you, that is usually why, because your body literally did not get to recover. This also happens a lot when people under eat, but we're not going to go into that category or that conversation too much, but it is really important to know that sleep can be the maker or breaker of your progress with strength training or any type of athletic training. It could just be long distance cardio. You're also going to have challenges physically if you don't sleep well enough for these same reasons. So a little bit more on the circadian rhythm. Basically what that is, is your stages of restorative sleep that are coordinated by your body's internal clock, AKA the circadian rhythm. It's a natural 24 hour cycle that's influenced by the amount of light throughout the day. And it's usually aligned with nature cycles of darkness and daylight. So this is why we kind of see in certain seasons, we might get a lot more confused when we hit winter and we have way more days of darkness and less days of daylight. For people who live like where I used to live in the Pacific Northwest, this means like Oregon, Washington, Canada, you're probably dealing with the impacts of way less daylight. I mean, this isn't even to say for the people who like live even further north and get like no daylight. (laughs) That's a whole extreme version. But for a lot of my U.S. people in Oregon, Washington, 
um, even like Montana and Utah and such, you guys are going to have a harder time making like vitamin D, which is a steroid hormone that is important for so many systems in your body. This is why it's always highly recommended by majority of the practitioners to take 5,000 to 10,000 IUs of vitamin D daily or every other day during the winter and sometimes even fall season because you are not getting hardly enough sunlight naturally. And this impacts your melatonin production, which is another hormone that is really key for getting into deep sleep, restorative sleep, etc. And they all kind of play with each other. And so that is where we really have to pay attention to different seasons because the cycles of darkness and daylight are mirrored by our circadian rhythm. The other thing that's really important about the circadian rhythm is that it sends signals to your brain about when it's time to sleep and when it's time to wake up. And you have various hormones, like I had mentioned, and neurotransmitters that play critical roles in the quality of your sleep and the duration of your sleep, etc. So we often see bad sleep quality or not enough hours of quality sleep in people who have more significant hormone imbalances or neurotransmitter imbalances and things like that. Most of the internal signals that are influenced by environmental cues are influenced by the what's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, and that is in the hypothalamus. So you might have heard the hypothalamus probably more than the SCN, <laughs> but it's the area in your brain that controls many of the vital body functions. So it's very, very important. And keeping that optimized is key for a really well synchronized and functioning quality of sleep, neurological health, well-being and body in general. So a kind of fun part, if you have always kind of wondered what the different two primary categories would be or the different stages of sleep so that you can have some like facts in your back pocket (laughs) to better understanding it, especially if you do invest in something like a sleep wearable. I'm going to talk about those later here soon, but the two primary categories that we divide the stages of sleep into are what's called non-rapid eye movement and rapid eye movement. So if you probably have heard REM, I think I mentioned it earlier, but also NREM is the other half. So each of those have several stages inside of them. And the typical sleep cycle moves through these stages in around 90 minute cycles throughout the night. So as the night progresses, you generally experience longer and longer periods of REM sleep. And it is really important that you get these uninterrupted sleep sections or stages because they have very specific reasons. What's really, what how I kind of remember it is NREM is really where you're getting that restorative body sleep, the sleep that you really need for internal health, where you're getting that rest and digest. There's three stages, N1, N2, N3, not super important for you to remember, but it's kind of the stages as you fall deeper and deeper into sleep. But N3 is the most important, I guess, in a way of the two. I mean, you can't have one without the other, but the one for you to remember is N3 is where you reach the deepest and most restorative stage of sleep that you will need for physical restoration, memory consolidation, and just overall health in general. This is the sleep where you're oftentimes able to get rid of damaged DNA, help repair muscles, feel rested in the morning, you know, get that really good, like woke up, like, yeah, that was a badass night of sleep. (laughs) And in REM sleep, that's where you get the rapid eye movements. 
increased brain activity. This is where you get more vivid dreaming, but you also gain like proper cognitive function, better learning, better emotional regulation by having adequate REM sleep. So both of them are very important for different reasons, but that's a little bit of how to differentiate between the two so that you um, can better understand it without like too much confusion. Because I remember when I learned (laughs) this whole stuff in my anatomy and physiology, which I had to, I took medical level anatomy and physiology because my program at OHSU did not give you a a non-medical option, even though I was like, my major in kinesiology and and nutrition was on the borderline. So they just threw us all basically into medical level classes when it came to all the sciences, because I have a BS in kinesiology. And it was like, everybody, I remember talking to my counselor and being like, hey, this is a really hard class. And I don't know if I'm ever going to be using like much of this information. When I look back now, I'm really glad that it was so hardcore. And I even had to retake one of them. But it was really funny because I was just like, and she's like, you know what, you are literally the 20th student in your major who has said the same thing that they're really struggling and blah, blah, blah. But unfortunately, this is all we have available for you right now. That was tough. But it was good. But I would say that I very much struggled with some of the depth we needed to understand for these concepts. So I hope that how I just laid it out for you was really easy to think about and understand. But to kind of finish out the science side of it, unfortunately, there's a lot of different very common sleep disorders. Doesn't mean that they're normal for the body. I always have to give you guys that distinction. But most of the common sleep disorders are impacting your health significantly even if you are, if it's become normalized for you, if you feel like it's your day to day and it's like, whatever, this is how I exist. And you maybe have never felt well-rested sleep before because you have one of these sleep disorders, or maybe there's one that I'm not going to list here in a moment, but it is really important to take that seriously because um, impacted sleep immediately affects the trajectory of your life and the quality of your life and your health. So some of the main ones that we see and a lot of people have, again, common ones, would be um, variations of insomnia, which is essentially when you have trouble falling or staying asleep, you experience frequent waking during sleep that is still also called insomnia. I think a lot of times, like especially I feel like in my generation, we think of insomnia as like, I literally can't sleep. I'm just like laying awake in bed. But unfortunately, even people who are just kind of like lightly falling asleep, waking up, lightly falling asleep, waking up. Unfortunately, that is chronic insomnia. And if it lasts longer than more than three nights a week or for multiple months, that will increase your risk of many chronic diseases. And same with sleep apnea. A lot of the times this goes undiagnosed and it doesn't necessarily mean you need to have a lifetime of a sleep apnea machine. But if you are somebody who deals with impact of sleep, like insomnia could be a symptom of having sleep apnea, where essentially sleep apnea is like you're kind of skipping a breath, like you're holding your breath for a bit. Um, There's several other ways that either it's technically two different categories of sleep apnea. It's where you do physically just stop breathing and then breathe again after several seconds, or your brain isn't sending signals to your body to breathe and you're getting those same exact pauses in breathing at night, which is problematic because Breath is very key for monitoring and managing quality of sleep. And so if you're holding your breath and such um, at certain times of the night, this can become problematic because you most likely are not getting into those 
lower NREM or REM sleep cycles, and that's problematic. And the things that chronic diseases that can be correlated to either of those sleep disorders that are very common, you would see depression, hypertension, stroke, dementia, challenges with body composition, usually struggling with excess body fat and diabetes, you know, there's also like more non-disease related or can be disease related, but pre-disease symptoms you could be experiencing from insomnia or sleep apnea would be fatigue, daytime sleepiness, like needing to nap, irritability, mood fluctuations, and just impaired functioning in a multitude of areas in your life. So it's really important for you to be aware of your sleep. Maybe if you sleep with a partner or even just if you have a bestie and you guys do a sleepover, have her sleep in the same room as you if you're comfortable with that and ask her if she wakes up or ask your partner if they've ever observed weird sleeping patterns that you might not be aware of. I know for me, my partner, I think he actually does have sleep apnea. Unfortunately, because he's a firefighter, he is on shift schedule. He is get he gets really crap sleep and it is like very much correlated to increased risk of cancers, depression, a multitude of different diseases and, and stuff, which is not fun, but it's he is a necessary person for our community because less and less people care about taking care of other people nowadays. They're having the hardest time filling these first responder jobs because yes, they are really hard on the body and they are just, it is a really tough, really tough job. A lot of, if you don't know, they don't just fight fires <laughs> dominantly. I mean, that's like the last or the least thing they really actually do for city firefighters. He's a professional city firefighter, but anyways, it is really tough. It is, it's so tough because it's like serving the community and loving his job, but also simultaneously harming himself and his like longevity predictions. And so it's tough, but at least he has me because I annoyingly try to keep him on track with as much as we do have control over. <laughs> but I have noticed that he holds his breath um, when he sleeps. And more recently with the fact that his department isn't really taking good care of them. I won't dive into that very much, but essentially he is getting really interrupted sleep constantly and it is showing up in his health markers as far as like sleep quality. So have somebody who you sleep with or have somebody sleep near you <laughs> at least a, few, a time or two and see if anybody notices anything if you think you might actually have a common sleep disorder like what I just listed. All right, so now let's transition out of the science. That was all science. Good job. You guys made it through <laughs> into how sleep impacts the female body. This is super key and it is definitely a lot more nuanced when it comes to the female body, which is why I want to highlight it. A lot of these things, if you're a male listening to this, are still important for you to know and can also still happen to you. But the female body is far more sensitive to unusual rhythms of sleep and it does show up very aggressively, especially if you don't take care of your sleep quality for an extended period of time. So what we would call it chronically not sleeping well. So first, it's kind of important to say that many factors can contribute to sleep issues and disorders that include the very common perps of stress, lifestyle factors, imbalances in your gut microbiome, your micronutrient stores and the different levels of the hormones 
circulating in your body. So when you are listening and kind of becoming mindful of your own sleep and your own sleep habits, we like to also call it sleep hygiene. It doesn't mean whether or not you're clean. It's actually just a scientific term for how well you take care of your wind down phase, your sleep environment, and your day prior to sleep is all what can kind of contribute to your sleep hygiene, hygiene, quote unquote, which they all are very important for their own reasons. I'm going to give you my top tips for you to consider from what you can do to make your environment the best possible. And then my best tips for winding down. Um, Some of it might be stuff you've already heard before. Some of it might be brand new. And I remember a lot of what I was, I'm going to share is straight from a sleep scientist himself. I went to a symposium three or four years ago, and I was fascinated by this sleep scientist and what he was talking about, but they're all his top tips of creating the best sleeping environment. So stay tuned for those in a moment. But going back to it, I would say the biggest thing my female clients struggle with that impacts their sleep and their sleep quality is stress. <laughs> And it's not just physiological, it's also emotional and mental, okay? And it has a really profound impact on your health overall. So a lot of my clients tend to get probably internally annoyed when I say, how are your stress levels? When we're talking about like stubborn fat loss or anxiety or what is it? Binge eating, you know, a variety of things. It's really important to know that stress is typically the first thing we have to look at. And it's unfortunate that nowadays the most common thing, especially a lot of my working females will write off is that they almost think that they have to be in a state of stress for success and they can't understand not having stress. They think that that's a luxury and they think that it's not important. They're not worthy for it. You know, whatever it is, they think that they must have stress and they can't even like contemplate how to reduce some of the stress in their life. It's also sometimes I feel like people kind of um, identify with it. I don't know if you have experienced that before yourself or you know somebody like that. They identify with being stressed because that used to be when it was like the boomers and the latchkey kids groups, you know, they were all raised that you are really successful or valuable on this planet if you are stressed and you work a lot. And it's really unfortunate because most likely majority of them are the ones dealing with a lot of stress disorders. And that's not good for your longevity and your health. You know what I mean? So if you are somebody who lands in that category, I'm going to invite you to consider changing your mind on that a bit to at least optimize your sleep because hopefully from today's entire chat, you will learn how important sleep quality is and it's not a sleep when I'm dead kind of thing because then you'll be dead sooner than later. So I guess you'll get to sleep forever sooner than you think. (laughs) Not to be morbid, but, um, but that's just reality. I think actually like the human brain starts to malfunction after 120 hours of no sleep. And the max amount you can actually live without sleep uh, is eight to 11 days. 11 days is the furthest record. I don't know how the hell they study that. Somebody must have just like volunteered themselves as tribute for it because I would never sacrifice my brain health just for a study like that. But anyways, that is the truth of the longest period of time. And that's not very long. That's barely two weeks. So 
if you are chronically in a sleep deficit because you keep getting worse and worse sleep, like sleep deficit is really interesting. Let's take a second for that. Um, sleep deficit, which actually I'll talk about how you apply that more with the wearables here in a second, but sleep deficit is a situation where let's say you are having a great weekend. You sleep maybe on average eight and a half hours. You feel great. You come into the work week, you get seven and a half hours Monday, seven hours Tuesday, six hours Wednesday, six hours Thursday. All right. Now Friday, ideally, you're going to try to get seven, seven and a half again. And then over the weekend, you try to make up that sleep deficit, which is why sometimes you feel your body is actually able to sleep for eight, eight and a half, maybe nine hours unprompted. It's because it's trying to make back that time it lost during the week. This is a really common situation. I know that it happens to me quite a bit when I have like wonkier weeks or it happens a lot more when I would wake up really early for clients like three to four days a week or when I used to open the gym when I was even earlier in my fitness career, um, which meant 4.30 in the morning days, which was just horrible. <laughs> I'm glad I was in my early 20s at the time because I think that's like about the only time that my body could manage it better. You know, I would never do that at this age anymore I'm at the ripe age of 30. But I noticed physical changes to like insane physical changes because I was getting so much less sleep, just waking up for my 5.30 in the morning clients for three to four days a week for like three years. That was not fun. You know, when I look back at it, it was worth it because I absolutely love those clients and all that kind of stuff, but how it was impacting my body because I would work till six or 6.30 in the evening. Then I was running and growing my business. So I'd be up until like 10.30, sometimes 11. So I'd be on average always getting six and a half hours of sleep. And my body is a seven and a half girl. I'm a seven and a half, eight girl. And so that was, I never realized how metabolically that was super not good for me. <laughs> and it made sense why on the weekends I would sleep in hardcore because my body was like super deficit the entire time. So think about your work-life balance, figure out are you doing kind of a weird pattern like that? Like you don't have a good schedule and that is a problem, but that's kind of where like sleep deficit comes in. If you ever heard that term or you've ever observed it just naturally in your life, because that is really what is happening. But coming back to the stress, it's kind of funny because they are almost synergistic with each other because when you are stressing, you stress just in general disrupts your average like structure of your circadian rhythm. And then that, having that, having crap quality sleep essentially becomes more stress. <laughs> so you're like doubling your stress with your stress because you're undersleeping and then you're stressed Then your work, work is stressing you out and then you undersleep and you're stressed more. And it's just a really toxic cycle that is not good for you long-term. If you ever noticed any time in your life where maybe you were also like me working a job where it cut into your sleep or you were highly stressed for years on end and your sleep was absolute crap. You found yourself just like passing out, snoring, mouth open, catching flies whenever you had a moment to actually like chill. That was a sign that your brain was like, woman, I'm going to like turn you off right now because I need some freaking sleep. But even at that, your sleep quality might've been complete crap because it might not have been going through the regular cycles, especially if you are not getting long enough sleep. So you can be very very sure that there might be a higher risk for you with disease if you don't take care of that now. Now is better than later. Don't wait until you're 60 and be like, okay, now I'm retired. 
now I'm going to take care of myself. Like, no, get ahead of it. It'll also help your menopause, perimenopause phase for like a multitude of reasons, but it is really, really, really important for you to understand that everything down to your hormones, your nutrient absorption, your muscles, everything relies on lower stress and better quality sleep. And utilizing substances like alcohol, certain drugs, chronic caffeine, like we're talking 500 milligrams or more daily, which can be literally like a Red Bull a day or a monster energy drink a day, or even some of the sporty, healthy looking caffeine drinks or pre-workouts, they can be packing huge punches of caffeine. Um, So be very careful of how much caffeine you consume a day because it can also imbalance your sleep cycles as well. I would say not anecdotally, this is something that a lot of my clients have observed with our sleep wearables is I know for a fact, anytime I have alcohol, it can be one glass, guys, one glass of wine, one cocktail. Anytime after 4 p.m. into the evening, because I usually go to bed around like 10 or maybe 11 at latest, my sleep will go to absolute crap because my resting heart rate stays elevated too high for too long, which doesn't allow you to get into deeper sleep, which is your better quality sleep, you know, in that first phase of your sleep cycle. So when your heart rate is staying elevated, it can impact your quality of sleep massively and alcohol always will. Hands down, always will. Even if you're that kind of person who says, I sleep so much better when I have alcohol. Unfortunately, your perception of good quality sleep and probably just knocking the F out is, should be different. (laughs) You probably are thinking they're the same, but unfortunately you just passing out and not remembering how the rest of that night went or something like that does not equate to good quality sleep. Unfortunately, that just meant that it actually just put you out. So nightcaps are a really bad habit. They are going to decrease the quality of your sleep. And over time, you're going to start feeling the effects of too much consistency with alcohol because you're not going to have as good of memory. You're not going to have as good of quality emotional control. You're going to have impacts on your cravings because it has a lot to do with your leptin and ghrelin, which are your hunger and satiation hormones. And so Long-term usage of even just a glass of wine a night definitely impacts your sleep quality and your brain function, which I mean, again, like in the alcohol episode, unfortunately, alcohol is a poison and that is why we get those kind of depressant responses to it. But over time, it is actually a stressor on the body because it is a poison and it impacts us more, especially neurologically than we might think. Um, One of my 2024 personal goals for my health was to significantly reduce my alcohol consumption because ever since my grandma passed, I'm just going to be vulnerable with you guys. I've increased my tequila (laughs) and gin cocktail and or wine consumption relatively significantly compared to ever before in the past. I never really drank alcohol most of my teens into my 20s. I actually started drinking alcohol more casually once I hit 24. 23, 24. And even at that, it was still very casual. I'd say during the pandemic, I had a little bit better hold than some on my alcohol because I kind of recognized that a glass of wine a night sounds great all the time, but it's not good for me at all. (laughs) But, and then after my grandma passed, I did notice that I was utilizing it more frequently without necessarily being aware of it for the kind of numbing effect, you know, and I can get buzzed off of one margarita 
sometimes two maybe. And so it was like easy for me to access that. And so it kind of didn't get out of hand. It wasn't like every night, but it was like every weekend. And that's really unusual for me. And so I realized that this year, I really want to take my power back over alcohol and be more of a sober girly (laughs) with that and just cut it back to like one to two events where I have like maybe two cocktails, one to two times a month. Like that's it. Like, and that's my personal goal. If I can even have like entire months where I didn't drink at all, that's even better. But I have noticed even it has impacted like my quality of my recovery from my workouts. I've even noticed like some earlier premature aging. And I know that's because the last two to three years, there's been a lot more casual drinking than usual for myself. So if that's something that you too think that like, hey, maybe it's time you do that as well, that's great. I would always recommend that because it is unfortunately, like I said, a poison and it's getting out of hand at how much we casually do it in our culture. And I talked about this with like a ton of my clients and during the pandy, it seems that a large amount of us have picked up casual nightly daily drinking and kept it after. And that is a huge issue. Um, I've noticed a trend towards a lot more girls wanting to become sober and it's really great. I think that it's very important for us females to make sure that we take care of ourselves, especially with our hormones, because when our hormones go out of whack, which always happen with excessive alcohol use, even not excessive alcohol use, it impacts our hormones. It will constantly derail your progress. So you can't be mad at yourself for not making progress if you are consistently drinking more than two drinks a week. And it is so easy to drink more than two drinks a week nowadays, but that's how our culture is now. So that's something to think about. And um, that's outside of sleep, but it's definitely correlated to sleep because let's take a second here to talk about how sleep impacts weight gain. So it's really interesting to note how countless medical studies have highlighted the profound relationship between sleep quality and weight management. So the endocrine and nervous systems when we're sleeping, where two hormones also serve as neurotransmitters, aka ghrelin and leptin, like I had mentioned earlier, your hunger and satiation hormones. Ghrelin, I like to think as a gremlin, it's the one that makes you hungry. Leptin is what the hormone that tells you, hey, I'm not, I'm not hungry anymore. We're good, you know? Both of them are playing their parts when it comes to sleep as well. So when we don't get enough sleep, our leptin levels drop, which means that we don't feel as satisfied after eating. Big red flag, guys. Super important to understand this because this is what I was saying in the beginning. I was going to give you some like professional insight on why your weight might be stubborn if you're somebody who doesn't take good care of their sleep. So when you don't get enough sleep, your leptin levels drop. So that means you're not feeling as satisfied after eating that next day. Meanwhile, your ghrelin levels rise. The little gremlin is like, I'm hungry the moment you get up basically. And it increases your appetite throughout the entire day. So essentially what this becomes for a lot of people is overeating and overeating tends to lead to gaining weight or maintaining weight, maintaining body fat, yada, yada. So this is problematic for a lot of different reasons because we also when we are sleep deprived, tend to go towards high energy dense foods because our body's like, yo, I did not get any energy back because of a good quality sleep sesh. 
I need energy from food. So then we're more inclined, especially as females, because there's also other hormones involved. We want higher sugar things, higher starchy things. You know, starch is essentially sugar, a natural form. Um, Well, sugar is natural too, but there's also like processed fake sugars as well nowadays. And so our body is seeking those quick energy fixes a lot. And a lot of those foods tend to spike your insulin to higher levels than you'd like and it triggers fat storage. So blood sugar spiking doesn't always mean you're going to have fat storage. That's kind of a semi-myth, but when it's significantly high and you ate a really caloric energy, aka energy dense food, I got pot hurt, <laughs> you most likely will store some more fat. And this is super problematic because you don't realize that that is happening a lot of the time. You might just think like, oh my gosh, I'm so exhausted. I just need to eat something. I don't care what it is. I just need to get that sugar hit because I need some energy. And it's it's a bad cycle. <laughs> but unfortunately as well, insufficient sleep also causes metabolic dysregulation. So it can contribute to blood sugar intolerance, insulin resistance, increased oxidative stress, which is basically where harmful free radicals outnumber the beneficial antioxidants. So that puts you in a condition where you're at risk for disease or dysbiosis in your gut or aging on your skin, like hell no, you know, like not just to the aging of the skin, like all those things. (laughs) And um, it long-term, the metabolic dysregulation long-term leads to poor metabolism, ultimately fat gain and even diabetes. So this is also where poor sleep can contribute to a good amount of metabolic, like a shitstorm of metabolic things, <laughs> for lack of better words. So if you're somebody who does land in a category where you're not getting sufficient sleep, you can expect to have all the opposites of everything I just talked about come back into your life positively by putting a lot of effort and focus into better quality sleep, longer sleep, removing alcohol, removing caffeine after 2 p.m., you know, There's so many things that will benefit you um, that are just the complete opposites of a lot of those things that we just talked about. So I hope that that's a little bit um, helpful for you to kind of see what can happen or what might be happening for you for neglecting good quality sleep. But now it's your chance to make the choices to change those habits and access better health through simply just adding some more hours back into your sleep time. And for any of my mamas listening, my moms-to-be or currently moms of kiddos that do not sleep very well yet, (laughs) it's usually everybody who's got kids under the age of four, honestly. It's kind of just going to be a crappy time for you with your sleep quality. I'm not going to try to give you any advice on how to do better with your sleep other than remove stimulants, try not to have the alcohol when I know that you want to because you're stressed but kids are going to naturally stress you. That's totally a thing. But there's a lot of good natural supplements and such that you can take or sleepy teas that can help you decompress and such when your kid is going down for a nap or finally sleeping at night and working on making a good balanced shift trade, quote unquote, with your partner um, or maybe a family member who can come over to help you get a little bit more sleep or maybe even a friend, you know, Um, Those are the only tips that I can give you that it's okay to delegate and ask for some help, especially in those early phases of having a tiny, tiny, tiny tot (laughs) or a newborn in general, because we really underestimate that sleep on our health in the beginning stages. And I've had countless clients just 
become worried about their health during that time. And that is totally normal. And I would say, yes, that, that makes sense, but it's short term. It goes by in the blink of an eye. And if you only have that lower quality sleep for the first year, mostly, you know, dominantly, it's really just that newborn first year that is the worst sleep, it'll be okay. If that happens for the rest of your life, it's probably not going to be as okay. So that is where you might want to enlist some help or find where you can get more time to yourself if possible, or just, I guess, be okay. become okay with the fact that this is your new life now. But at least you'll be able to understand a little bit more about how to have better quality sleep and what to pay attention to, yada, yada. Okay, so let's shift into good sleep hygiene for better quality sleep. So again, like I said, sleep hygiene doesn't mean you took a good shower, unless that is something that calms you down, and that is a great thing to do. But I'm going to go through a little list of some of the top things I think you should think about optimizing if you want to have like your best quality sleep possible. And I recognize that a lot of people don't always live in places that are quiet and dark and maybe live in the city. It's, it's pretty frequent to have distractions. I'll share some insights on what you can do to get around some of these if you are in one of those scenarios. But I do want to acknowledge that because obviously not everyone lives in a quiet little picturesque neighborhood. <laughs> and um, oftentimes many people do have families or partners or roommates and you don't have a lot of control over the noise around you, you know, or maybe you do also similar to like my partner, you're in a shift job where you are woken up uh, kind of outside of your control several times a week. So when you are home though, your bedroom is your sleep cave. You make that baby as optimized for sleep as possible. I mean, your bedroom should literally just be the best place that you want to wind down and sleep. We spend nearly a third of our life sleeping for most of us. <laughs> and it's super important to prioritize everything you spend a large portion of your life on. I remember one of my old bosses said, you spend the most on the places you spend the most time in, in your house. So your kitchen, your bedroom, sometimes your bathroom, you know, um, if you do have like an, an, a stay at home office or something, of course, that's important. If you are somebody who is working from home for good now, and you have not invested in a better, healthy, ergonomic workspace, what are you doing? <laughs> it is no longer casual anymore. You need to get yourself a good sit stand desk. You need to have a good, like elevated monitor situation. They're really cheap on Amazon. Even sit stand desks now are quite cheap. You know, they're under $200 now. And it is very important for you to invest in a good chair. I cannot tell you guys how many people are still sitting in like wooden chairs from their kitchen table or just really cheap Ikea or something work chairs. And those are all right ish, but then you should probably spend a little bit more time standing periodically throughout your workday. This is where a sit stand desk comes in. But if you have not invested in your workspace, like the basic foundation things of your workspace, very key to do that. Make that a 2024 goal <laughs> because I know so many people who are still using their janky setup from the pandemic when they were thinking that this was a casual thing and then their work went either hybrid or consistently still work from home. And it's like, okay, the jig is up. You need to actually make this a now, now a workspace. And a lot of people can actually write off a lot of it. Sometimes you might just have to inquire with your workplace. If they did force you to work from home full-time now, you should usually get some sort of stipend or reimbursement. Or if they don't, it's a worthwhile investment for your health. 
again, sometimes it's important to just invest in your health. And so that's something to consider in that little side tangent there. But anyways, coming back to your bedroom, you need to get a real good quality mattress. If you're still sleeping on the same mattress and it's been over like eight to 10 years, that's usually the lifespan of a mattress. It's time to get a new one. You want to make sure that you are a like soft firm, more towards firm. Too soft can be problematic for the body long-term and like your sleep quality and too firm can also impact your sleep quality. So if your mattress is actually impacting your sleep quality, it's worthwhile for you to invest in a better mattress. Sometimes that sounds silly, but it's actually a very common issue I've had with a lot of clients. (laughs) That and if you have a partner that's noisy, it is not weird to sleep separately. If that's not an option for you, then get yourself some good earplugs or they make a variety of different good sleep sleepwear or noise cancellation. I usually actually have to sleep with some white noise, not an aggressive amount, but I actually just have my like air purifier running on the low. And that helps because plain old silence just doesn't work for me because I hear everything that is not silence (laughs) at some point in the night. And the other thing that's important, the sleep scientist said that ideally absolute silence is best but I think it's really unrealistic, right? And if there's one thing that's not optimal and that's white noise, like a fan or an actual white noise machine or a humidifier, I would prefer you do something like that than leave the TV on or any of that stuff. That does bring me though to that point. One of the best things for your sleep hygiene is to not have blue light in your room. So you can cover like any blue light things like plugs or your phone, you know, make sure you flip your phone face down. Honestly, it's actually a better strategy to not sleep with your phone next to you. I know a lot of people like freak out with that, but consider getting comfortable with it. Like leave it in the bathroom or put it across the room, charging on your dresser face down in in do not disturb mode, you know, making sure that you're not waking up because of notifications and junk like that. And the blue light coming on because the key tip of no blue light in the room is super important because out of all the different rays of light and all rays of color light impact your body's release of melatonin, which is your wind down hormone. That's the one that makes you sleepy. And it also is the one that gets you really good into that deep sleep. If you have blue light, blue light is the top light that impacts your sleep quality because it can literally make your brain think it's still daylight for you and keep you awake. So if you're somebody who is used to winding down scrolling on their phone or staring at the TV and you have problems falling asleep or you find yourself frequently up to later than you'd like to be, that's your first goal. (laughs) And I know that that's like lame because we've made it so commonplace to relax, quote unquote, on our phones. But I mean, something you can do to try to counteract that is get a blue light blocking a good quality asterisk phone cover, like glass, tempered glass. I have one on my phone that I always use um, and you can just order them on Amazon and put them on yourself and blue light blocking glasses if you want to double time it. And you can also make sure that your phone is on nighttime routine. If it's an iPhone, I don't know what Androids have, but you can put it into where it reduces the blue light at night as well. That's for those people who just cannot not scroll at night or something like that. But it is important to note that a really good sleep hygiene habit is to not 
do that at least leading 30 minutes to the time you would like to fall asleep. So I would get out of the habit of just chilling out until you feel sleepy and ready to go to bed and you're just tired of your TV show or whatever. You should make it more about this is 30 minutes before I actually want to sleep and keep all the warm lights on. Maybe just lay in bed with candle. That's warm light. Read a book maybe with again, warm light. You want to make sure you're not doing too many LED lights. Again, more lights that have blue light in them. You want to shift to those warmer temperature lights. You can replace a lot of the light bulbs in your room with those types of bulbs as well. Our entire house is essentially warm lights because we're a warm light family. And coincidentally, we just discovered, or I just discovered a scientific study that came out last year where they're even finding that blue light based, like LED based lights actually can increase a variety of diseases, including like hypertension, diabetes, different heart diseases, you know, tons of things like that, just by simply being it under a blue light more frequently in your home. So, and a lot of my friends, every time they come over, they say like our house is so cozy and inviting. I think it's legitimately, I mean, maybe some of the decorations <laughs> impacted, but I think it's legitimately because all we have is warm light in our house. So something to consider for you as well, if you want to kind of improve your home is turn all the lights into warm lights, <laughs> change all the bulbs. And I think that that might be a good thing for you and your health and your family's health, maybe even getting your kids to kind of get sleepier faster and stuff too, if you struggle with that. Q&A portion of the podcast. As always, if you are new here, this is where I answer questions from my listeners and it can be anything around the topic of wellness if I have the answers. Um, so today's question was asked by Melanie. She submitted it via the Rebel Wellness Podcast Instagram. So if you have a question, just send it to me there. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. She asked me, what are the top three supplements that I would recommend everybody use? So of course, I am not a doctor, but I am a certified nutritionist. So I am qualified to give suggestions of nutritional supplements, not prescriptions. So it's very different, but I would have to say the top three things I usually would like to see my clients begin using when they're trying to work on their overall micronutrients and health in general is a magnesium. We are almost, almost all of us, especially in the US are magnesium deficient. Magnesium is a part, it's a cofactor to over 500 systems in our body. It is extremely important and it's kind of underrated. It's getting a lot more attention lately I have noticed, which is great, but we have not really incorporated it into our supplement stacks historically as we should now. Unfortunately, a lot of our farmland, and I live in the middle of a lot of it, so I very dom dominantly see it firsthand, but at the same time, my grandma was born and raised on a farm, so I learned a lot about like soil, good quality soil, what it looks like and all that kind of stuff and what it takes to have good quality soil from her. And we just have really low quality soil now because we are turning crops like crazy. Like the moment that they harvest, they plow it down, smash everything apart with these really aggressive looking tractors with blades, and then they set them back up, plant the seeds next round, like immediately. There's like hardly any downtime in between and they don't really crop rotate anymore. So they artificially put nutrients into the soil just good enough to grow the plants again. But that means that we have lower nutrient density in our foods. Unfortunately, that is just the case for majority of the situations. So with that said, magnesium is important to incorporate 
externally through supplements, I usually recommend magnesium glycinate or magnesium bisglycinate because it's one of the most absorbable, but there's a lot of different forms of magnesium. So there's a ton of different variations that kind of do different things. Glycinate helps with like calming. So it's also a very calming nutrient. Um, it can help with your sleep quality, which is very applicable to today's topic. And um, it can also help regulate and manage depression and anxiety. If you are low in magnesium, you can be experiencing those more often, and that's very common. Another variation is magnesium tarate. That's for more heart blood sugar regulation, blood pressure, and inflammation. Malate is really good one for somebody who has fibromyalgia. If you're somebody who struggles with chronic fatigue, um, muscle tension like cramping, migraines, and indigestion. Similar to the digestion topic, magnesium citrate is very good for digestion and regularity with stools. So bowel movements, if you're somebody who is like constipated, you can take citrate is usually the form you get when it's in the powder. So a lot of people take like the, I think the brand is like calm magnesium calm or something like that. And it's like usually pretty tart and fizzy. And it's usually like a lemonade flavor or something like that. That's usually magnesium citrate. And that one also is, it does have calming effects but it typically will also help you become a little more regular in the bathroom. So you can take that um, as a natural aid to um, bowel movements. And the last one worth notice, noting is magnesium oxide, which can be used for heartburn and constipation. But there's a reason why a lot of the time when women are dealing with preeclampsia or things like that during pregnancy, they will give them an IV drip of magnesium to help that go away. That's because magnesium manages a lot of your blood pressure and a lot of those symptoms that come along with that. So if you are somebody who's like prepping to be pregnant again or whatnot, it's very important that you consider adding a good amount of magnesium into your supplement stack, quote unquote. And I usually would say a good quality recommendation that I usually follow based off of um, a lot of the practitioners female doctors that I follow for women's health, anywhere from 200 milligrams to 600 milligrams a day is a good therapeutic dose of magnesium. Sometimes when you have PMS, so those days leading up to bleed day of your cycle, you will do well to have like 300 up to 600 milligrams of magnesium a day to help counter potential of really hardcore cramps. So if you're somebody who gets a lot of cramping, that is a good supplement for that as well. So the other supplement I would recommend is a good quality omega-3. You're going to want to find one that has a good ratio of EPA to DHA. I think it's usually a two to one ratio you like to see of EPA to DHA. Those are um, components to omega-3s and you want to find a very good quality omega-3. So a lot of these, actually all of these supplements I'm recommending today are on my website. If you go to coachgales.com and you click on the Amazon link, you will be able to see all my best supplement recommendations and the companies that I trust that I also have linked as there as well. And the last supplement that I think is uh, very essential that everybody have is an electrolyte supplement. And a lot of people probably thought I was going to say like vitamin D3. That is a good one too, but not everybody necessarily needs it if they're taking or eating enough food and getting enough sunlight. So I usually like to actually say an electrolyte is one of the key things to have as a weekly supplement, especially if you're somebody who partakes in sweating things. We actually usually lose up to a pint to two pints of water when we sleep because we naturally sweat when we sleep, even if we don't realize it. Some more than others, especially if you're somebody who has like a thyroid disorder and you get extra sweaty at night. 
you really need to replenish those electrolytes. And those are a combination of micronutrients, including magnesium. It's usually magnesium, sodium, potassium, calcium, and chloride. Those are your typical electrolyte groups of nutrients. And we are usually very deficient in them nowadays as well. So I actually have several of my favorite ones I have listed because I get asked this question all the time. What, which electrolytes do I like in trust? No, it's not liquid IV and it's not element. Element's still good, but it's not the best for most people unless you're in a ketogenic diet or a carnivore diet. So I actually have several of my favorite, including like Redmond Relight, Highlight, which is an actual capsule version. So if you're not somebody who likes to drink electrolytes or noons, those are my usual go-to for a lot of my clients because they're in little carry wherever you want to go to. So again, if you would like the down and dirty list of my favorite supplements that I usually recommend to my clients, you can find them on coachgales.com and you can go to services and resources and it'll pop a little bar down and just select the shop Amazon. And there's a lot of great other stuff that I have added to that recently. It's kind of a nice place for me to be able to share everything that people ask me about a lot. (laughs) And it's all linked to like Amazon. So it's pretty accessible to most people. So I hope that's helpful for you and very good question. And again, if you have a question that you want to be featured on a future podcast and you want to ask me that's wellness related, shoot me a DM with that question on Rebel Wellness Podcast, or you can also DM at Kaylee Loren. Those are great ways to reach me. Now back to the show. Okay, so just going back over the list, we want it dark, we want a good mattress, we want the blue lights away and and the sound not distracting. You also need the temperature to be between, the optimal temperature for sleeping is anywhere from 67 to 68 degrees. That's the optimal sleeping temperature. Some people, especially people who run hotter and 65 could be better for you, but anything higher than that, is going to impact you when you get into the sleep zone where your metabolism fires up and you get hotter. So there's mechanisms in your sleep cycle. I didn't talk about them too much, but especially with the female body, when we are shifting around the different sleep cycles, we get an increase in body temperature, usually towards like, mm, if you go to bed around like 10 or 11, you're usually going to have this temperature increase around 2 a.m. to 5 a.m. And that is oftentimes where we're actually burning fat if we're trying to be in a fat burn zone. We burn fat at sleep. That's the other way that not having good sleep impacts our fat loss. And it also is just a time where there's a lot more metabolic activity going on that is going to be interfered with if your room is hot because now you're going to be extra hot. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you before when you're like in deep in the winter and you've been like, ah, my house used to be 70, I'm freezing. And then you go to sleep and now you're like sweating your balls off um, (laughs) the middle of the morning because you wake up because it's extra hot now because your body's also hot. So that's why it's ideal when you go to sleep to actually be at a slightly colder temperature to keep you asleep because inevitably you are going to get hotter at some point of your sleep cycle. Also going back to the light thing real quick, I forgot to mention, it's important if you get a lot of like light bleeding through your windows, if you have shutters or whatever, to consider getting like blackout curtains in your bedroom or any way of blacking out 
those where the light's coming through because it could be impairing your ability to fall asleep again as well because of the lights that are used out in the city or the neighborhood wherever you live. And I know for me, this was an issue, well, for both me and my partner, because we have these like tiny little three square windows that are above in the side of our room. And unfortunately, a new like apartment complex came in across the street and they use really bright LED lights and it just like lit up those squares at night. And it is like impossible to sleep when they're open. So we had to invest in some blackout style roller curtains. I mean, I went a little bit fancier and got like the mechanical kind (laughs) that where I can like push a little button and it rolls up and down off Amazon. But that's just kind of a good tip. If you have weird windows in your house that you can't quote unquote cover, there's um, customizable sized orderable drapes and or shades. Yeah, that's the word shades (laughs) on Amazon or wherever you want to shop for them and get the type that like fully filters out or blocks out light because it's really, really key to just literally be in a cave. Like try to make your room a sort of cold cave (laughs) and have really comfy blankets. Another good thing that is a sleep hygiene tip is a lot of people suggest you sleep in lighter pajamas to naked. You also tend to get the best quality sleep when you sleep naked because of the temperature regulation. But at the same time, if you're somebody who has excessive blankets and things like that, and you tend to wake up in the night hot, or you have to like stick a leg out or something like that, you might have better success wearing maybe like some Spanx shorts and like a a light t-shirt or nothing at all and see how you sleep then. A lot of people who sleep hot, quote unquote, they sleep the best naked. And that's typically a good practice for better quality sleep. The final part to it is is less about like a tangible thing to do in your room, but more of a technique that is a good, like different techniques that are good practices before bedtime, similar to like being around warm light or candlelight, aka the same thing. Various relaxation techniques can be really helpful for you before bedtime to wind down and allow your body to have that melatonin production to calm you down and get you sleepy. So like I mentioned before, you could do if you get relaxed by like warm baths or warm showers, depending on where you are, if you have the luxury of taking baths frequently, that is a really great way to kind of take time away from screens and get yourself to be like a little bit calmed down. Another good practice can be stretching or foam rolling. If you leave a foam roller near your bed and make it a routine to at least do a little bit of full body rolling, or at least roll out your back and your hamstrings, your glutes and your quads. Those are really good things to do as a relaxation technique, doing like a child's pose and doing some nose breathing or box breathing where you breathe in four seconds, hold four seconds, breathe out four seconds, hold four seconds and repeat. Um, you can work on that all the way up to eight seconds. It's it's tough, but it's not impossible. And it's actually very helpful for massaging your vagal nerve, which is a lot to do with your wind down. So you could even just lay in bed and do that breathing technique. And it is a very good way to get you to like really get into that rest and digest phase or status. Sleep time is also a really good time if you are having a hard time moving away from TV shows or scrolling on your phone. Maybe just think of a cutoff time for electronics. Usually, ideally, an hour to two hours before bed is is best, but if we're being realistic, 
an hour to 30 minutes before bed is better, you know, than not. And um, I usually like to tell my clients that some things like having a good book, like a fiction book that's like enjoyable to read and reading it at night to wind down is good. Unless you're somebody who gets too into the book and can't wind down. That's also a very common problem. So know thyself, I guess, in that situation. Um, but some people also like taking this time to journal, like journal as a wind down thing, because there's no blue light involved. You know what I mean? So keep your journal by your bed and kind of shed some thoughts or some gratitude and intentions for the next day or the week or whatever. Those are really great habits. If you're somebody who's always having a, a hard time involving journaling into your life before bed is a really great time because you're about to do like nothing. So <laughs> it's not like you're going to get distracted because you have to go to sleep um, unless you're that sleepy. So, you know, that's good. <laughs> but like the last other optional idea thing is just winding down and hanging out with your partner, having some chats. You know, if, if you have somebody that you go to sleep with, just plan to have at least 20 minutes before bed where you just kind of chat about your day reflect on some things. Maybe it's a good opportunity to offload some things you didn't get to talk about earlier, especially if you have kids, you know, this is a great time for parents to have a little time to each other. And you know, there's other things you can also do before bed that might help your stress levels and connection with your partner in general, um, if you catch my drift. So there's a good amount of options of non-electronic related things that will massively improve your quality of sleep if you just do them, okay? I would say that that sleep as the foundation to actually getting good quality health is the, it's absolutely the biggest thing that a lot of my clients who fail to make progress um, struggle with because they never take it seriously when we talk about it. And I just want to tell my clients in the beginning if they don't nail down a stricter sleep schedule, we shouldn't bother with any other health habits because they just won't line up. Like I said before, the way it impacts even our hormones for our hunger is going to sabotage you when you're trying to eat better or consume less calories or follow macros, you know, because your body's going to naturally want more calories than normal and it's not going to have the hormone that tells it that it's satiated and it's going to want sugar, you know, and so you're going to be shooting yourself in the foot, really when it comes to it, if you don't take care of your sleep, if you have a fat loss goal or just health goal in general. So if there's anything you take away from today's chat, it's that sleep is way more important than any other thing that you could be thinking about with your health. And if that makes you feel a little intimidated because it's hard for you to prioritize your sleep, then this is a really good thing for you to sit on and mull over and try to strategize ways that you can do better for yourself. Final thing, final thing I said I was going to talk to you about is sleep wearables. So we're going to make this one a little bit quick. I honestly personally very much love wearables for sleep monitoring because I have found it to be massively impactful for my progress with my sleep quality and healing myself in general because of that. I wanted to monitor my sleep because I knew that I wasn't taking it as seriously as I should have. And I wasn't understanding the impacts of my lifestyle habits and how they were impacting my sleep. I knew something was off, but I didn't have like the data to really know. There are so many wearables for a multitude of health things now that it is a little bit overwhelming. And honestly, I think a lot of them are not so necessary. I think like 
blood glucose monitoring, like those continuous glucose monitors can be helpful for people who are struggling with like prediabetes or just simply want to spend like three months learning how food impacts their blood sugar. Other than that, they're kind of useless and overhyped in my straight up opinion. And they're expensive. You know what I mean? So if you had to invest in a wearable for some sort of health monitoring, I would absolutely invest in a sleep monitoring wearable. And my favorite one is legitimately Aura. O-U-R-A. Aura rings. I am not affiliated with them at all. I actually, one of my clients used to work for them, (laughs) but that's only recently. And I had an Aura ring for the last two years um, before I even knew her. So it's my favorite sleep wearable because... I don't wear watches or anything on my wrist when I sleep. I don't like it. I tried to. I had a whoop band for a long time. That was actually the first thing that I used because I wanted my sleep science as well. Amazing product, very in-depth, especially for its data tracking and the interface that it had. It was very sciencey, very sports performance oriented. So it's not for everyone. Um, I used it back I think when the second gen came out into the third gen. So I used it for about a year and then I just decided I I was tired of wearing another thing on my wrist because I have to wear, I don't have to, but I choose to wear an Apple watch throughout my workday because I need it because I'm in session with clients and I don't like having my phone on me. And my Apple watch allows me to like see if somebody's calling me on emergency or, you know, whatever. Keep track of time is the main one. (laughs) But anyways, Um, Before I had my Apple Watch, I had a polar band, um, which is mostly heart rate tracking because I used to like to track my workouts on it. But I never use Apple Watches for sleep because A, the watch face lights up and it wakes me up. And B, I don't like wearing things on my wrist. So that's where I went to look for the Aura Ring and I took it a little more seriously, even though it is quite an investment of a product. But it has like paid for itself tenfold for me and my clients that have also decided to try it. To manage their their sleep and it is really interesting because the amount of information that it is able to kind of gather and make accessible for you to start learning is really great it's more than just how long you're asleep it also helps you better understand like your restfulness like how good of quality your sleep was where your heart rate was all day long essentially i wear my aura ring all day long because it's just a ring on my finger it's really easy to keep on. It was weird at first. I will say I'm never a person who wears rings. So it was really weird to get used to, but once I got used to it, now it's weird to not have it on kind of thing. And the charging, like the battery life is like five to six days. Like I charge it, it charges up in like an hour and then it lasts for like six days, which is really great. I love it because when I go on like weekend trips, I don't have to worry about bringing the charger because I know it's not going to die. Whereas like, you know, your Apple watch dies in like two minutes. But I love that it also tracks your body temperature because it gives you a lot of insights in not only like for me, I'm still a menstruating female, I'm premenopausal. It helps me learn my cycle. It helps me track if I'm having a healthy cycle. I can tell by my body temperature if I didn't ovulate that month. Not that I'm trying for babies right now, but non-ovulation is a sign of a lot of different things. It also points towards like too much stress, you know? So I like to keep track of that because If you don't ovulate, you don't often get the benefits of um, as much progesterone because you have a shorter luteal phase and then not having as much progesterone over time can put you in a position where you're in what's called estrogen dominance. You've probably heard that many times before, either just being in the wellness space or from my podcast. And that is a position where you can 
gain more and more fat or have really stubborn fat. So there's a lot of good insights that you can get from simply just tracking your body temperature and the aura ring does it for you all day long. And so you can also discover precursor signs of being sick. Like a lot of people who have gotten the flu or whatever, you can see exactly where you're catching a temperature increase, which is a good sign of infection or viral load, etc. So that's also really important information you can gather from the ring, from the temperature part. But also, like I had mentioned before, it's really cool to see how different lifestyle habits influence your sleep quality. So that's where I've learned, hands down, no matter what, I always have impact to sleep when I have alcohol. The other thing that's interesting is I learned like when I occasionally partake in cannabis, which isn't often, I'm not a weird narc about it because I have learned that it is a very powerful natural herb for a multitude of health reasons for people. And it's just been demonized over the years for probably a lot of different reasons. But anyways, wherever you stand on it, I totally respect you and hopefully you respect me that I don't get into REM sleep at all when I, or hardly much when I have cannabis. So I don't get deep sleep when I have alcohol and I don't get REM sleep when I have cannabis. And um, a few of my other clients who also partake in both of those have noticed the same exact thing for themselves. So that's really interesting data to kind of interpret from your sleep tracker. Um, And that can help you navigate your sleep habits as well, because there are a lot of people who have taken to the potentially bad habit of sleeping having marijuana, cannabis before they sleep every night. And that also has its own problems as well, even though it's not quite as toxic as alcohol. So those are things that are really important to consider for if you are somebody who's trying to optimize your sleep. But the other thing I really love about the Aura Ring is it really teaches you about your sleep deficit. So if you are a person who is kind of overdoing it and you kind of know it, but you're not really sure, a recent addition that they just added to it is stress monitoring. So it kind of tells you like on average after the day is completed, what your stress was like. So if you were in a stress state for a longer portion of the day, if you were in a active state, so you're like a normal amount of stress, or if you're in a relaxed state where you got to kind of have more recovery, it's a great way for those of us overachiever girlies to get more connected to how much we are overachieving. So if you are a chronic overachiever and a busy, busier, busy bee, you might notice that you're getting not very good recovery scores on your aura ring. And it's usually because you didn't have very good quality sleep, not long enough sleep, or your days are constantly too stressed or too stressful. And you're not reaping the benefits of good quality sleep because your your day was just needed a lot more than just good quality sleep to recover. So if you're somebody who just like works too hard too frequently all the time, like you're working six days a week or whatever, that hello me for a long time, which is probably what contributed to my adrenal fatigue, you're going to be really slapped in the face with the realization of it through this sleep tracker. I don't have a lot of experience with other ones because I have used the Aura Ring for over two years now and I have just preferred it. I've not really wanted to try other ones other than the Whoop band. I would say the Whoop is great, especially if you are an athlete at any capacity, even if you're like a hobbyist, um, long distance runner, mountain biker, whatever. The Whoop can be awesome for you and it is top tier technology. It's been formulated and created by some amazing huge brains in the sports performance world and sleep quality world and all of that. And they're the ones who kind of brought a lot more light to 
the HRV tracking, heart rate variability, which is a really important marker for your health and longevity as well. So all that to say, if you're somebody who is kind of feeling a little disconnected, has been kind of on the fence about whether or not they want to do a sleep wearable to kind of see how they're doing and they don't really want to go through like a sleep study or something like that, which a lot of the times the sleep studies are not very conclusive. I have had a few clients go through the, the stereotypical sleep study route and not have any good conclusions or results brought to them by these sleep studyists, <laughs> doctors, you know? And so sometimes it's kind of more about looking into your lifestyle as we talked about so much today and making those changes to actually optimize it because you are the only one who has power over a lot of these habits, right? A lot of the stuff we talked about today is not somebody else's responsibility. It's your own. And we just always have to be radically responsible for our health. And this is a really important conversation to have. I didn't get to have it last year in our first year, but we're starting off 2024 with easily one of the most important chats uh, that we could ever have. So I hope that that was a good chat for you today and that you feel a lot more well-versed in understanding the importance of your sleep because you can reap so many good benefits, girl. Like you can get much better energy, really happy, healthy looking skin, plump lips, no bags under your eyes. You, you will need a lot less makeup if you have better quality sleep. Um, your hair will be better. Your joints will feel better. Your workouts will recover better. Your body composition will be better. There's just so many things that you're going to improve if you just focus on sleep. So, and that's just like, they just kind of fall into place naturally. So if all you did was focus on your sleep the next month, you might get a lot of the things you're trying to do with products and supplements and shit <laughs> and achieve that on your own without all of that. So anyways, I hope that that was empowering for you today and that you take the time to optimize your own sleep because I know that my life has improved exponentially since I've been able to put a lot more effort and intention into better quality sleep. And for me, that did look like cutting back on work. And it was really hard for me to do that at first. But now I hold really tight boundaries around my hours and my sleep. So if this was the permission you needed <laughs> to do that for yourself, I give you permission. Prioritize your sleep, girl. Okay, so I I hope that you share this episode with somebody you know who doesn't sleep well <laughs> or who keeps throwing sleep in the back of their car and hoping that they'll be able to ignore it for a while until they get around to it. I think that we really underestimate this topic today and I'm so glad that you stayed through this entire episode and listened to the whole thing because I know that the topic just doesn't sound very interesting but I hope that I made it interesting for you today. But as always, celebrate your strength and nourishment. Walk with confidence and I will catch you next week on another episode of Rebel Wellness. still listening. Thank you for tuning in to our latest episode of Rebel Wellness. If you've been enjoying our conversations around health, fitness, and wellness, I have some exciting news for you. So if you would love to join our newsletter group, you can join us on coachkales.com or you can join 
my Stan store at stan.store backslash kales, K-A-I-L-E-S. And that's an awesome opportunity for you to snag some freebies that I've created, including a macro hack grocery list that is going to help you kind of design a custom grocery list, especially for following macronutrients. Because as you know, if you didn't listen to my macros in May series, I would go back to those episodes because it has been a game changer for so many of our listeners for getting more on top of how to shape their physique and their health goals with the food they're eating. So don't sleep on that. Go get your free download, S-T-A-N, like Stan the man, stan.store backslash kills. And you can also join our newsletter from that. And if you would like to reach out to me, chat, maybe work together, you can also contact me through my website, coachkales.com. And I would absolutely love you to join our Rebel Wellness Podcast Instagram, which is at Rebel Wellness Podcast. And you can also join my flagship coaching page at Coach by Kales. That's where it all began. That's where I share the most um, kind of custom to what I work on specifically with my clients on that page. So join that one. It's all feminine wellness focused. And I share some great stuff, some goofy stuff things that you just don't want to miss as well as healthy recipes and things and easy recipes because we all kind of need some easy grab and go things, don't we? So I would love you to join both those pages as you'll be joining a community of like-minded females who are all committed to living their best lives. So hit that follow button. And I would love if you felt the need to share and rate our podcast. We would love that. Anyways, thanks for listening. And I hope to catch you next Sunday or say hello on the gram.